0: The sermon this morning is on the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Included with that is the threat for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God's people of old have always been mindful of the commandments of God and to hear them declared, reason being... We would serve God the way that he desires. And that's according to his moral law, according to the whole of the Bible. And So there's been many a sermon preached, even on the commandments. It's a rather peculiarity of the Reformed faith today and those who still hold it. We actually pay attention to the law of God and reason being we want to serve God. So there's catechisms that have been written like ours, the Heidelberg Catechism, in Lord's Day 36, back in your Psalters if you want to look at that, in page 50. And the question is asked of a congregation that knows very well what is the third commandment, what is God's will for us in the third commandment. Now, we know inherently and intimately what God's will for us is in the third commandment about taking this name in vain. But we need to hear this again, and our children do. We all come together in this most holy faith that includes the responsible living, the holy living, keeping God's commandments. And here's what's required according to the catechism. It's just a human statement that summarizes God's will. What does it mean we don't take the name of God in vain? Or what is his will there that we neither blaspheme or misuse the name of God. How? By cursing, perjury, lying under oath, or unnecessary oaths, nor share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. In a word, it requires that we use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe, so that we may properly confess him, pray to him, and praise him in everything we do and say. So there's a negative, don't do that, but now positively, trying to flesh out these wonderful commandments. And then the second question and answer for our instruction is, is blasphemy of God's name by swearing and cursing really such serious thi- sin that God is angry also with those who do not do all they can to help prevent it and forbid it? The answer is yes, indeed. No sin is greater. No sin makes God more angry than blaspheming his name. That is why he commanded the death penalty for it. Thus far we read from the catechism, but it's a summary of what we want to read now. The Bible, the Bible's teaching on the third commandment, instead of Matthew 15, which we'll be referring, but that's printed on your bulletin. But I I want us to go back to the Exodus again. And and Exodus and chapter 32, 33, 34, really, but I can only read part of that. That's a pivotal point in Israel's history. They've been delivered from Egypt, and and now they they had fallen into the sin of worshiping the golden calves. At this point... Everything seems in jeopardy. God Himself seems to be so angry that He's going to neglect the people of His good pleasure. He's going to cause them to perish, all except maybe for Moses and a few people He wants to go with Him into the promised land. And Moses steps in in Exodus 32 in this wonderful picture of the mediatorship of Jesus. And He, he even says, You blot me out of your book, verse. 32 of chapter 32, out of your book, which you've written, you blot me out. Just forgive the people. Now, what a mediator is Moses' picture there on Jesus. But then what happens is, in chapters 33, 34, God reminds them, the people who sinned, of his name, and that he knows them by name, but he's going to give them his name. He's going to give them his name even though they've botched it, they've blown it, and he's going to remind them that he's not only the God of anger but the God of of mercy. So you hear of this and uh, pick it up in chapter 33 and verse 17 and following. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you've spoken, for you've found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. That's what God says to Moses. I'm going to forgive the people. I'm going to lead you all into the promised land, even though they've sinned. I know you by name. And for Moses' sake, he's going to lead the people in. And he said, Please show me your glory. Moses did. And then God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And then Exodus 33 and uh, verse 21. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, so it shall be while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by, and then I will take away my hand. And you shall not see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And then after the first verses there where Moses is told to cut two tables of stone again and God would re-give the law to the people, here's what God says again in verse 5. It has to do with his name. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And then verse 8, so Moses made haste, bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And then he said, if now I found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my people, I pray, go among us, even though we are stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and sin, and take us as your inheritance. Exodus 34, verse 9, conclusion of our reading, but we'll be expounding the third commandment, the prohibition of taking God's name in vain in this redemptive light and in the light of the New Testament where that name Jesus is given. We have the revelation of what it's all about. Even in this third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord You shall not take Jesus in vain. We've been considering the commandments of God. Just to remind you, the revelations are these commandments of God. God reveals truth here and the truth from God, not only but about God, of God. So the first commandment, have no other gods before me. Is a revelation that God is God. The second commandment you shall not make any graven image, any anything that you find on the earth and think that's like God when you worship him. Well that that's a commandment having to do with the God who is to be worshipped rightly. So the first commandment God is God. The second God is to be worshipped. The third commandment is not taking the name of God in vain and I would commend to your attention and for our taking this home and living by it that this is God's name unfurled like a flag or this is God himself, that's what I meant to say, unfurled in that name, just like a flag is unfurled in the earth and people know what it stands for. In this earth, however, people take the name of God in vain. They don't worship God, first commandment, they ignore. ignore. They, uh, they don't have God, they don't worship God, first and second commandment, they ignore. And they don't either care about the name of God. Uh, in fact, wherever they can, worldlings blaspheme or speak unholy things about the holy name of God. It's as if, and it is true biblically, the world has planted another flag, another name, another reality, and that reality is man, and the name of man. This is what the Bible is teaching from cover to cover, and especially from the fall of man to the the revelation and the final coming of Jesus. The kingdom of man is set against the kingdom of God. The name of man is set against the name of God. So you have in the first Babylonian empire, Babel, the Tower of Babel, man would resist the commandment of God to fill the earth and to glorify God. Instead, he would plant his flag on some great edifice that he would build and he would make a name for himself, establish himself as the the great one who's to be honored in all of the earth, versus God and his name and reputation. Man would be for his name, a man's name, and his own reputation and comfort and happiness. So that's... What we're all about in the third commandment, it comes to all the world and indicts all the world, brings them before the by of God and bar of God and finds them guilty. Uh, there is everyone and his brother and sister and maybe Hollywood leading the way was on a campaign to disparage the name of God, to take it lightly. That's what taking it in vain means. Vanity of vanities saith the preacher in Ecclesiastes, all is vanity, all is empty, all is without weight and significance and importance and it's all futile and it's man doing what he does best, just serving himself and, and having fun and eating and drinking and being merry and tomorrow he dies. So with regard to the name, that Flag that God Himself has given among men, whereby He must be or men must be saved, and whereby God Himself is known. People don't like that, so there's always that people are disparaging the name of God. I think, for example, of the expressions on all your tweets or whatever you do, and in the, the texts and so on. Omg, Omg, Oh my God. Really? People have to say this. This is some expression they use. That's an example of taking God's name in vain, using it. Or saying, "Oh God, oh God, oh God." And as some kind of exclamation and excitement and maybe giving credibility to yourself as you react to something that's happened, good or evil, and you take the name of God and on your lips and you don't mean God, you just mean you and people ought to pay attention to you. Used to be, children, you're probably too young for this, but people wouldn't dare do that, and they wouldn't even allow it on the airwaves. Oh, my God, they'd say, gosh, instead. Gee, willikers, or guy, oh, guy. When I first came to Grand Rapids, that seemed to be the the Reformed swear word or pejorative of God. Wouldn't say, oh, God, say, oh, guy. Kind of a nothing expression, but God is the, in back of it. It's something that is ignoring the significance of God, and and then you know with the swear words that we have, this is part of it. The empty words. That's part of the vanity that is condemned in the third commandment. Not taking the name of God in vain is is or taking the name of God in vain is prohibited. Well, taking opportunity to vent your own Uh, reaction to hitting your thumb with the hammer and saying this or that, what we call swear words, is another way of having this empty language that reveals your anger and your pain and your frustration and your reaction to a circumstance without God. You just let that thing so move you, so move you and cause you to be emoted, moved by emotions and pain and suffering. You say something to fill the void. Now, take inventory, beloved. How often we can do that? I, I can do that. The self-control required of us in the heart of being disciples of God and letting his name and reputation be known is, is often not there. It comes out and kinds of ways in our silly talk as well. The, the talk, the uh, uh, you know, frivolous conversation, the New Testament says. This is, all, this is all wrong because, you see, with our hearts we are believing unto righteousness and with our mouths we are confessing God or not. Forbidden is the taking of the name of God in vain. And with that, of course, is living in vain. The, the commandments are deep and broad. And Jesus fleshes them out in the Sermon on the Mount. He reminds us, for example, that murder is not just about taking an axe to somebody's head or whatever. It's, it's about hating and being angry without a cause. That, too, is condemned in the sixth commandment. The third commandment condemns everything that is vain about us not just with words and not just with God words that we use and manipulate to our, our own advantage, but taking our vows not so seriously as we should. In the name of God, I will be yours until death do us part. How many people nowadays are taking heed to that vow? In the name of God, who said, let no man put asunder what I put together. And only death parts the bond. How, how can we take that so lightly? People are in, not into this for God's sake, you see. We're in this world for, for our sake. It's, it's no wonder that the, this whole world is, is falling apart because the promises of man, for example, which are like unto vows, even though God's name might not be called about, the promises of man are empty. They're vacuous. No one keeps his word anymore used to be a handshake on a deal would be good enough, reflecting of the sincerity of the man who made the promise and who would pay the debt, for example. Now we not only need IOUs, but we need banks and lawyers and everybody else to keep us accountable, and and it's because we're by natural nature these thieves, and we want things for ourselves because actually to ourselves and according to our perspective, what really counts is just me and my rights and my name and my reputation. And everything else is down the hill and of no account. And even God, if there was a God. So the third commandment, it has to do with this this iniquity that's abounding in here. This flippancy with God and this inveterate, dyed-in-the-wool effort of mankind to be together and ignore the name of God and especially reject God's commands and his requirements and his glory. But God has given a name in all the earth. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. Psalm 19, in all the earth. In the name of God is God revealed. And this is the significance of the name. It's not God just Distinguished from others who have other names, but it's God revealing who He is. The name in the Bible is God. God is His name. When God revealed to Moses in the Exodus, Exodus 3 from the burning bush, who He was who sent Moses to the people, He said, I am that I am. Tell Him, I am, have sent you. This is my name. It is I. It is the absolutely infinite being of of no limitation, no change, and I'm faithful to my covenant. That's what I am that I am means. And we would transliterate this Jehovah. Jehovah, sacred name of God, sacred name, glory revealed in that name of God. And we know, beloved, beloved, This God who reveals himself to Israel, and and we read about this, the name he shows in his virtues. I will make all my goodness pass before you, Exodus 33. And that amounts to proclaiming the name of the Lord before you. Notice how the Bible puts that together. He said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Now, they knew it. Moses had told them that I am had sent you, but now he says it again at this pivotal point when Israel is beside itself with grief and they, they've blown it. They've made golden calves. They've shown that they're not taking God seriously. Their, their sin is amounting to taking the name of God in vain, as we'll see. And God comes again and he shows his name, his revelation And his goodness, not only in being angry against sin, but in showing mercy. The Lord descended in the cloud, Exodus 35, 4, 5, and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Once again, this is all about God proclaiming who he is. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, Jehovah, I am, I am God. Merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sins. That's the new thing he's revealing. And the old thing, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That's That's the old thing. The thing everybody knew, the God of justice and holiness, the God with whom every sinner has to do and before whom every sinner must tremble. God is God. That's what God's name means, his personal name. That's what God's name means in every bit of revelation that he's given. It's all like a name. The stars are a name of God. The moon, the sun, they're names of God, revelations of God, not personal names as in the Bible, but names that are lights, true lights. Behind the light of the sun and the moon and the stars. And in people, really. So that all who were created in the image of God, human beings especially, reflect the glory of God, making this this one who would be a reflection of God's own likeness amazing. So that to murder a man is to defile the name of God. That's why it's so serious. So broken all over the place, in this vain world, which takes the name of God in vain, which doesn't know itself even. This is, the, this is why we have today. Because of the vanity from the beginning in the fall, the emptiness that people feel God is. He's just this thing out there and he's not really there and it's not significant, he's not weighty. People don't even know who they are anymore. People don't know who they are. And it follows from the sin of not knowing or caring who God is and who his name is. Nobody knows who they are. It's part of the judgment of God. They don't know what sex they are. They're, a, they're, they're called a generation X, a generation Y, generation Z, a generation LBGTQ+, whatever they are. But they have no name. They don't know who they are. It's pitiable. And that's how we should look at this world. They don't know who God is. Their parents perhaps did not know who God is, and they left them the legacy of vanity. They left them all the money in the world, and they gave them a free college education and a new car and so on, But no Christ, no commitment to the name. This is the world we live in. And among us, beloved, it's not any better except for the grace of God. This is what this setting is here all about. Israel is called by the name of God. They're called God's people. You're my son. I've brought you out of Egypt. And 20 chapters or so after the exodus, not long into the history, there they are at the Mount of Holiness making golden calves for themselves and behaving just like the Egyptians they are by nature. Golden calves. So worshiping God improperly and therefore, such is the significance of the name, not taking God seriously. And this is exactly what we can do, not take God seriously. That's our sin. And that's what we have to think about here, beloved. Pity the world that doesn't have a clue, hardly, of God, and certainly not of His name, Jesus. But let's look at ourselves. Taking the name of God in vain is so easy for us, and it's our nature. It's just what we do. We get caught up in the vortex of the whirlwind of the world and the insignificance of things, and those insignificant things become significant things. And the world and the dervish of the excitement becomes things we desire. And we put our hand near the buzzsaw of the world or the whirlwind and we just get sucked in and we're turned around and around by it, aren't we? And maybe you're coming to church and you could hardly drive straight. You're turned around and around and around. And up. what's up is down and, you know, pretty soon you get dizzy on this stuff and, and you want to find back maybe what joy is and what hope is and what love is and what normal Christianity is anymore, but you can't, you can't seem to find it. And you yourself have been empty in your religion, vain, purposeless in your life, wondering what you want to, want to do in life, and you're worried. It's worrying you sick when we get to marry? Job we're going to have. What's the use? Caught up in it. And yet God has given us Jesus. That's the name. And God gave Israel Jesus in type in Moses. They had him there. They had Jesus there. In the promises, every word of God is the word of Jesus. You know that? That's how you read your Bible. It's the word inspired by Christ's own spirit to be of Christ. Jesus says to the Pharisees, John chapter 5, I believe, you believe the scriptures, he says to the Pharisees, these are they which testify of me. And Peter says, the prophets, they looked into the word of God that Jesus himself was inspiring. Why? Because, you see, whenever God would reveal anything and Whenever God thought to create the world even, it was all with his Son in mind. It was all that God who's above and who's great and who's to be worshipped would unfurl a flag. And the flag is a name. And the name above every other name is God with us in Jesus Christ. That's the name. And in the third commandment, we must be focused on that name and not take Jesus in vain. But how we do it? It means don't take salvation lightly. Don't receive mercy unthankfully. It means shake at Sinai, but really shake at Calvary, where Jesus died for us. Really. And remember that by the Holy Spirit poured out, you are a beneficiary of the atonement of Christ. All your sins are forgiven. You are not your own. And as God even reminds the Israelites, I put my name on you so that I know you by name. That's what he says at least twice in Exodus 33. I know you by name. My name is that I know people by name, intimately in love. I love you. That's what God says to us today. In fact, he's working right now among all his people here to remind us that however we've messed up and forgotten and lived maybe in the name of ourself too much, He's still our God. It's beautiful. God unfurled the flag of his own greatness in Jesus Christ. He planted the flag. And he said, this is where I stand in Jesus. This is who I am. This is my name. The name above every other name, before which everyone shall bow, every knee shall bow, whose name everyone shall confess to the vindication of God, the exoneration of this God whom we would bring before the tribunal of our opinion and say, it's not fair, God, and your timing isn't right, God, and your church doesn't seem to amount to much, God. Well, at the end of time, it'll all be seen. God was God in all things, and good, very wise, taking away your husband or your wife, leading you in the single life longer than you'd like to be in the single life. All these things God does. Sends disease maybe, or maybe it's a chastising nation like the Assyrians or like the Babylonians so that Israel herself knows more and more the name of God's mercy and that he's the independent one and we're not. Oh, beloved. What a name. And what sin we've sinned against, not only all the commandments, but against the gospel. We've acted like we're in bondage. We're not intentional in our life so much. That is, we don't make choices anymore. We just flow, we just go. And maybe that's in the name of the sovereignty of God. We believe in sovereign grace, right? And God says it even here. This is quoted in Romans 9. Before Romans 9, there's Exodus 33, beloved, where God says, I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion, to whom I will be gracious, I will be gracious. It's all one Bible. God is God. Well, that doesn't mean, beloved, that there's no choice that we make in response to the choices of God. Every single day, Calvinists are choosing Calvinists. We give all the... Glory to God and in our responding to him and serving him daily, we also give glory to God, to the name. That's why, look at this, Colossians 3 and and verse 16, this wonderful verse about being filled with Jesus and his word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So taking the name of God is doing the will of God not in vain, but in his service. Now, the Hebrew word we should know about taking the name of God, not in vain, and implied keeping faithful to the name of God, means literally take it up, take it up, bear it. That's what we do here as Christians. When we're baptized as infants or adults, We take the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, on our head not only, but in our hearts. We are set apart. As we learn to believe, as we do believe, as the Holy Spirit works in us to believe and to be conscious of this, we are consciously those who know we are not our own. We are named by God as his. So we are Joe Christian. We are George Christian we are Christian, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven before we are patriots in America. We are God's people. The holy nation gathered at the Mount Calvary and at the Mount of, the, of Heaven itself and also at the Mount of Sinai is God's. And you see then, every one of us has a flag. That is, we all have a name. We all have the name of God personally. And wherever we go... Whatever fight we're fighting, we plant the flag. We unfurl the flag. And I fear sometime, beloved, in our unbelief, that we're afraid to do. We'll go to somebody. Maybe we'll establish a relationship. We'll try to do that, but we won't plant the flag there. The first thing they know is us and our history and our likes and desires and how much money we make, but we don't plant the flag there. We're afraid of the name and to be identified with Christ because then people won't like us. Another thing I fear, my own life too. I think we fly the flag at half-mast. The name of God sometimes, or maybe we're saying by that, God is dead and the three men I admire most, they caught the last train for the coast, as the song goes. They've made a mockery of God and of the living God. We fly the flag at half-mast. We think that God is not succeeding in his will in this life. And the church is, is, is going to be defeated. When Jesus himself said the gates of hell will not prevail against you, we think our employee will, employer will prevail against us. And we think that our marriage is prevailing against us because it's just not meant to be. And it cannot go on. And in every way, the flag is at half-mast or the flag is not planted or it's not even there. We didn't even think about it. Take not the name of God in vain. Remember the name of Jesus and the greatness of God revealed in him. God of mercy and truth, who said, I'm going to give you this flag, I'm going to put my name on you, and I don't take my name in vain. I take myself seriously. God says this. And you may be faithless, I'm never faithless. I'm faithful. That's the kind of God we have. Believe that? The kind of God we have. For his name's sake, he remembers us, that we might remember Jesus, that name. We might remember, oh, yes, I'm here for someone else. He's called God. And he is my God, first commandment, and I worship God. And in every part of this terra firma, I'm going to take not his name in vain, but I'm going to take his name seriously in my life, is going to be all about the significant other who is the significant God, my Savior, my Lord, my lover, my friend, my life. And in the end, beloved, the threat, therefore, of the commandment, God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain, is something we take seriously, too. Because we don't want God to be dishonored by us, do we? You don't, do you? You don't, do you? Hearing this word of God, you'll repent, won't you? Because of that part of your life and your territory and your 40 acres and whatever else you have, you haven't really been taking God seriously. And you'll remember his mercy, won't you? Because the worst thing we could do in this world is to portray a God who's simply a God who's angry and never a God who shows mercy. Jesus is the name. And in him, we are found guiltless because all of his righteousness is imputed to us. And Jesus went the way of the cross, you too, believing in salvation from heaven, for a flag to be planted and unfurled unashamedly on the earth by the people of God, the church. Amen. We pray, Father, you would bless us with humility. We stammer a few words. We hear a few words. Some, though, go in one ear and out the other. We're so weak. But you take a weak thing like a preacher and preaching and hearing, and you make a miracle. The miracle of hearing by faith, the miracle of understanding, miracle of, of people that's changed. Who've come to church and you stagger in, maybe, or they've been preoccupied and haven't thought so much about you all the week. But Now you've been leading by the Spirit and the Word, and there's conviction. And we've gone all the way to the holy place, Lord. And we pray, as we depart presently, not to leave that place. And to appreciate it all the more because of the blood of the Lamb shed for us. Lord, bless these people. Lord, may we call upon your name with gladness. Take seriously our calling to delight in the Lord, to serve him all our day. Amen.